You may have recognized Ian and Sylvia there. Ian Tyson died today at the age of 89 at his ranch in southwest Alberta. Um, really one of the biggest names in Canadian music history, not maybe somebody we talk about as much as others, uh, such as the Leonard Cohns and the Neil Youngs and so on, but certainly one of the most uh, uh, pivotal pivotal musicians in Canadian history. Four Strong Winds Alone was voted the greatest song in Canadian history in a CBC poll um, many years back, just to give you an idea of how impactful that one track was. Uh, he was actually born in Victoria, which I didn't know, considering I'm in Victoria. I just didn't know that. He was born in Victoria uh, back when and lived in Duncan, BC, which is just up the road from here uh, for quite a while before sort of making it to Vancouver and hitchhiking to Toronto and the rest of Bet Sylvia and the rest is history as they say, but there's much more to say uh, than that. Uh, he was inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2019, one of the many, many, many accolades over his very long career that saw him go from folk to country rock to cowboy storyteller in the 80s, where he kind of reinvented his career in a way that was uh, really interesting and in some ways maybe uh, prescient as to what was to come uh, with country music. Eric Alper, who is always our expert on these things, publicist and music commentator, joins us now. Eric, welcome back. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. What an interesting story Ian Tyson is, because in some ways he's sort of the, the most unassuming of, of pop stars, but he had a real role in the early 60s there. Yeah, I, I think that he's kind of underappreciated and undervalued, um, even though that he was awarded the Member of Canada in 1994. Um, he is inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, I, I, I've always thought that he was underappreciated, um, and I think part of that um, was just the way that his life kind of led him, especially in the last remaining um, couple of decades. He's not, you know, he wasn't active like Neil Young consistently is. He's not talked about, I think, in the same breath as somebody like the band or Robbie Robertson, because, you know, they're still kind of active, even though that, you know, obviously the band isn't around, but every couple of years they're doing a 50th anniversary box set. But I think with somebody like Ian, none of those names um, I even have a you know a chance to become the the artist that they are without Ian Tyson. I mean, there there's just no doubt about it. Um, you know, coming up in a in a country playing music that didn't have a Canadian music industry. There were very very few record labels around, and those record labels were mostly concentrating on exporting artists from the UK or the US. They were interested in what the Beatles were doing or what Bob Dylan was doing and and kind of pushing and promoting it here. Um meanwhile, you know, Ian kind of bounced around Canada, um landed in Toronto, um met Sylvia and essentially became Canada's sweethearts, but I think more importantly, at least on the music side, really helped invent country rock as we know it. That kind of just didn't build the door for Neil Young and the band and Robbie and and uh, Gordon Lightfoot and Maury McLaughlin and Bruce Coburn to kind of go in. He kind of built the whole house to begin with. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. We forget that back in the early 60s to break through, to make it in Greenwich Village as a Canadian couple, especially, you know, um, as Ian and Sylvia, was an incredible accomplishment. Uh, and I guess we lose sight of it sometimes, but it's all those other names you just talked about. We always talk about the band and, and, yeah. um, and Neil Young and so on. And, and, and we forget that Ian and Sylvia, you're right, they really did, Ian Tyson really did help pave the way for all of that. 
Yeah, and it's so it's so easy to get lost in the shadow of America. You know, you and I have talked about um, you know the giant influence of uh, of America on on this culture and this country. I mean, it's why Canadian content rules existed in the first place. Was you know, radio stations um, and the government were both pretty concerned that um, Canadians were just only going to get fed Bob Dylan and Joan Baez and the Kingston Trio and not have the ability for Canadians to hear performers talk about their own stories and their own communities, about their own culture and their own politics and, and folk and oral traditions in songs, even though that, um, you know, Calgary and Edmonton, um, you know, or Halifax and the East Coast always had a real keen sense for historical figures and historical happenings that the musicians were able to put into song that got passed down generation to generation. It's what Woody Guthrie was able to do really, really well, for instance, is take songs from 1910 and kind of modernize it for 1950 Ian and Sylvia were kind of doing the same thing. They were talking about our people and our culture. And, you know, you could absolutely draw a line. It may be a squiggly line, but you can absolutely draw a line between Ian Tyson's lyrics and Gord Downey from the Tragically Hip singing about Bob Cajun. Yeah, I mean, I, I was listening to a lot of their, their music today, obviously, and, and some, I'd forgotten some of the songs, but they're very, very Canadian. Even the early stuff was very, very Canadian. And this is at a time when they're sort of hanging out with, they are folk royalty, but they're in Greenwich Village and they're, you know, you know, Sylvia's best friends with Bob Dylan's girlfriend and Ian's hanging yeah. out with Bob. I mean, this is, this is sort of, these are the pinnacles of, of this scene, which of course was relatively short lived, but it was influential when it was influential. Oh, even even today, you know, you talk about your the the Yorkville scene in Toronto, where it was home to um, you know Bruce Coburn and Murray, and and uh, the birth of True North Records, a label that's still going pretty strong. Um, but you know, you talk about that you know Neil Young landing in this city and meeting. Rick James, before he became a funkmeister, um, joining the the Minor Birds, or David Clayton Thomas hanging out after um, you know his little troubled teenagehood and decided to hang out in the clubs instead and and sing, um, trying to create something all with an eye towards America because they knew that if they wanted to break a big, they had to go to New York or they had to go to Los Angeles, and that that the, there were no other options, and so. I, I think that's a little bit why Canadians kind of underappreciate um, the beginnings of rock and roll in this country. Um, we always grew up, or at least I did, knowing about people like Paul Anka growing up in Ottawa, but he had to go to Los Angeles to break it big with his song Diana and writing the Tonight Show theme. It all happened there. Ian never really left, you know, and, and we've always tended to think of artists like that a little bit like, um, you know, and I hate to say it like this, but sometimes, you know, that knock against the Tragically Hip was, well, you know, they never made it in America, even though that the band would gleefully disagree with that and say, well, you know, we sold out places in Cleveland or Cincinnati and, you know, 80% of the Canadian population live within 50 kilometers of the border of America. So it's not that, that, <laughs> hard to break through and, and travel there. But Ian was like, growing up to me, he was like Stomp and Tom Connors. He was like, there yeah. were just 
so Canadian. They they couldn't have come from anywhere else. Um, and then later on, when I got to, to meet him, and then in the last um, decade or so in working with him and, and being his publicist, it kind of made me, I, I think, appreciate, you know, just what a hard life that he led, but also what a what a massively influential. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but can you imagine back in the times of the early 1960s when there's like literally three television stations and Ian and Sylvia have one of the most important and popular t- shows on television um, performing music, essentially becoming Canada's sweethearts. You know, it, it's it's really yeah. astonishing. It was. And, and um, I, I will play a quick clip because he, he was on a show that Johnny Cash hosted. And then they got up and sang in French. It is the most incredibly Canadian <laughs> experience. But I'll, I'll, I'll let you listen to it. Right now, I'd like you to meet some fine people from the North Country Fair. They got their own show in Canada called Nashville North. Let's have it from Nashville South. Give them a fine Tennessee welcome. Ian and Sylvia and the Great Speckled Bird. <laughs> They're singing in French. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. French. Isn't that wild? Like, isn't that the, the the gumption that that would take? And you know, they they had, I guess they had French songs on a lot of their records too. It's and and that sound, of course, from the folk sound of Four Strong Winds changes so much. But I think they think that's in the early seventies. And you mentioned it; they really did kind of pioneer that country rock sound that we came to know so well. Yeah, you, you know, it, it it must have been so wild to be a, a fan of Johnny Cash and living in a time where most people's opinion and, and and sense of country music was given to them through, like, hee-haw. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, somebody like them come along and start singing in French. It, it must have been so foreign to, like, half of America watching this, um, you know, watching them. But, you know, they were, they were made in the television era, you know, in the way – in the same way that we look at somebody like John F. Kennedy, um, you know, becoming the first, you know, television president in America, where, um, you know, even after that, from, you know, the early 1970s to the mid-1970s, about 1970, 75, Ian had, um, you know, he had his own national television show, the Ian Tyson Show on CTV, um, Nashville North. And, like, those two words, Nashville North, is still used to this day. It's used in Calgary, Edmonton, and Toronto, whenever they're doing country music shows. Um, and just, you know, the fact that he still had, you know, Sylvia and the Great Speckled Bird, their old band on the series, it, it was so, um, it's so warm um, that uh, that they were just so influential and just were able to, to kind of spread that love around, too. In the 80s, because my memories, my most vivid memories of Ian Tyson, to some extent, are when he became this sort of cowboy storyteller in the 80s. Um, and it, was, it wasn't, I mean, when you listen to the progression from folk to country rock to what he became, it makes sense. But it really was a, a, a sort of how he saw out his days musically, and he was very successful at it. Yeah, and it's so easy to say now, you know, when you mix the words, you know, folk country or country folk together, it just kind of rolls off the tongue that there really is no difference anymore, you know, is our Wilco 
or Billy Bragg, country rock or country folk. And so, but back then though, um, the country people stayed in the country lane and the folk people stayed in the folk lane and the two rarely, rarely actually met. And, you know, it, in, in the early 1980s, um, what changed it for Ian was he met a guy from Calgary by the name of Neil McGonagall. And, at the time of like 1983, it was a weird time in music where you had all of these new wave artists like Eurythmics and Duran Duran and, um, and you know, this Human League and, uh, you know, MTV and much music kind of coming into the fold. But you also had a lot of old people that were doing really, really well. You had ZZ Top and Yes and um, the Moody Blues. All of a sudden, right. they were having massive hits. And for veterans, it must have been very weird to be like, hey, after 15 years or 20 years, I'm finally like reaching a whole new audience. And I think that's exactly what happened when Ian met Neil. Um, Neil went on to later um, work with Katie Lang. He discovered Jan Arden. Um, and when he managed Ian Tyson, one of the things that he did um, really, really smartly was kind of put together this album called Old Corrals and Sagebrush, and it was released on Columbia Records, so it was a pretty big major label release, but it really brought him to a whole new audience, because right after that, a couple of years later, that's when he started to get inducted into all of these Hall of Fames. It was the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame was in 1989, and then his next couple of albums were pretty much all cowboy music. He had an album called I Outgrew the Wagon and I Stood There Amazed and 18 Inches of Rain. And all of those ones were were more cowboy oriented um, even before American country artists started proudly wearing big boots and cowboy hats again. He was already doing this. Yeah, and and he was a rancher, right? I mean, he, this was this was legit. This was legit stuff. He wasn't writing this from a from a penthouse in 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 uh, in New York, right? Oh no, no. I mean, he was. He, I mean, th- this was it. I mean, uh, uh, the, his life was absolutely in the grooves of those songs. Um, you know, he he didn't have an easy life. I mean, he started creating music essentially because he wanted to be a, a rodeo rider, um, but damaged his his hip so badly during a fall that during recuperation, that's when he started to pick up the guitar. So from then on in, it it he had his struggles. He had his struggles with um, with alcohol. He damaged his voice in 2006 after. Um, a really strange and weird country music festival segment, and it kind of damaged his voice so much that he almost had to learn how to sing. He's, he's quoted in saying that, you know, I fought the sound system and I lost. And so wow. that comes with knowing who you were when you become successful, knowing that you can't get back to that level again in the same way, but you have to recreate yourself. But in a honest, truthful manner. You can't fool country music fans. You can fool rock and roll fans, and you can fool pop fans for all of I'm concerned with being authentic. You cannot, if you are from Canada and a country artist, you can't fool people. And so, But he actually lived that hard-loving, hard-living cowboy life. Yeah, now that you mention it, the one thing you would never say about Ian Tyson was that there, there wasn't an ounce of pretension about the man, it seemed. 
Yeah, there there absolutely wasn't, and and he was as kind um, and rugged right up until the very end. Um, he put the 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 spotlight on a lot of local and up and coming and independent artists like Corb Lund, um, who he actually did a couple of shows with, um, and actually his final show, um, but we had to cancel it at the last moment because he was because Ian uh, was a little bit under the weather, and it turned out that that would have been his last show. Um, but he's kind of stayed in the background a little bit. He's had his health issues. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, all of these artists kept kept always thinking about him. Johnny Cash would record Four Strong Winds for his American Five album in 2006. Um, CBC Music gave Four Strong Winds the greatest Canadian song of all time, as voted by the listeners and readers of the blog. So he's still there um, but I think the amazing thing about 2022 is that when somebody like Ian passes away and you and I talk about him, there's going to be people that are going to go to Spotify. There's going to be people who go to YouTube and the music is all there, which is great because 15 years ago, uh, you had to kind of hope and pray that maybe the local record store would have a copy of greatest hits. And if they didn't, they would maybe not have another copy for weeks. But now when somebody like Ian passes away, um, immediately his streams go up, his, his views go up on YouTube and it's because people are rediscovering him for the very first time. Yeah. And imagine that's that there are a lot of artists out there today. You can hear the influence of Ian Tyson in so much today too. And you mentioned because he covers such a broad spectrum of music that sort of that, that storytelling style is very much his, right? Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I can hear um, Ian and Sylvia absolutely um, in, uh, in, in so, in so many places where you have, you know, just, artists like Juliet Johnson or, um, you know, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. You know, the first time I heard their duet album, it was like, yep, that's Ian and Sylvia. Like, that's where, you know, I, I'm not saying that, that without them, you know, without Ian and Sylvia, they don't get to do something like this. But, um, right. you know, in Brandy Carlisle, um, that's the sound of, of Ian Tyson. It's it's wherever you try to be as authentic and real with an acoustic guitar and, and kind of sometimes nothing on stage except for except for you. You know, I, I can hear him, and it's a stretch, but I can hear him in, in Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska album. I can hear yeah. him um, in, in Sam Fender from the UK playing rock and roll with putting the spotlight on his own troubles in Ireland and in the UK. Um, it, it's a line, Eric, to, but it's a very squiggly we'll, line. We'll leave it there. High praise indeed, Eric Alper. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon.